I think it was up for three months. What? Three months. You paid for that thing for three months? Good It was $500 for the three months. So it cost $500. I thought it was a month. (laughs) And, uh... It was up for three months? Yeah, it was the minimum. It was was, was crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, what's up? It's Tori Mathis, your host, and I am here with the one and only Sean Mathis, founder of Miles Street Time Automotive Museum. You had to look at me to make sure who you were talking to. <laughs> I was, That's me. I was waiting for you to start singing some more, <laughs> doing some rap, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> uh, you know, I think a lot of people are really worried about screwing things up. And that fear of messing things up stops them from doing anything. And so to dispel <laughs> some of some of that, um, my question for you is, what is something that you've tried, a tactic that you tried that totally flopped? With the museum, uh, I paid for a billboard. Okay. That was very exciting. We got a picture of the billboard. Uh, there it was. It was a digital billboard. So it wasn't even like it was a billboard that was always going to be visible. I had to <laughs> rotate through the cycle of everyone else that was paying for this billboard. But Tori designed it, and it, it did. It looked awesome. It took me like three or four <laughs> trips driving down the highway to, to catch it, you know, at the time that I was driving by to be able to take a picture of it. And it was neat to say that we had a billboard and all that kind of stuff. Um and at the time when the billboard was up, I think it was up for three months. What? Three months. You paid for that thing for three months? Good It was $500 for the three months. So it cost $500. I thought it was a month. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thing was up for three months? Yeah, it was the minimum. It was, it was, it was crazy. But at the time, I was crazy. the one that was at the museum. So if anybody came to the museum, they were going to see me. And, and so I was asking every single person that walked through the door, how did they hear about the museum? That way I could know what was working and see if the billboard was working. And during that time, two people walked into the museum and said they just saw this billboard. And those two people came together. <laughs> and that was it. Were they worth all $500? They were not. Yeah, we talk about like that type of... Advertising is really hard. You see, what's the guy? The Mark Spain. Mm-hmm. So here in the in the South, I thought it was just the Atlanta area, but we've taken some trips and this Mark Spain guy gets around. Like he, he's got quite the big area. Mark Spain billboards everywhere. Like everybody's got to know who this guy's face is. He must spend a bazillion dollars a year or he owns the billboard. Like, I don't know. Does he have a side billboard company? Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know what it is. But like, that is a different type of advertising than a really small business. Like, even if it's a high trafficked area, I don't know. Like, that is a rough one. Like, that is definitely not something that I would suggest to somebody unless they just had money to blow. Mark Spain money. You got Mark Spain money? Yeah, so those Go two, get yourself a billboard or five. Those two people made the museum $10 and I spent 500 to, to, to get 10 And that's a hard one too because you, most people are not the one that's always there. So you wouldn't know if there was like some residual or if that really paid off. 
like Sean does a lot of marketing and spends money on Facebook and he knows that that is is working like when you have a way for you to tell if it's working like that's where you want to put your money unless you have Mark Spain money unless you have Pepsi money or AT&T money that you can just like let's just throw our logo on everything like most small businesses really can't do that what I think that's what people wind up getting caught up in the the, I don't know if it's glamour is the word I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I can see that. They're like, ooh, billboard. I have a billboard. Ooh, my logo's on a coffee cup. <laughs> and, you know, they're, you know, I got Miles of Time shirts and hats and all that, but it kind of makes sense for it, the, museum. the museum. It does. But if you're a pest company, nobody wants your damn shirt. I am Most likely. You know, unless it becomes a brand that everyone's like, you know that pest company? Yeah, I got their t-shirt. Yeah, but the odds of that aren't. It it really, but but they get caught up on like ah, it's so cool because it's you know I get it. It's your business and you you're proud of it and you want it on all these kinds of things. But it's so easy to just blow the money on all this stuff. I mean, yeah, you can get your name on pins and really it's not that expensive. But do you need three hundred pins? And drop 150 bucks on them. Yeah. Probably not. It, koozies. How many damn koozies do we have? You you don't need that either. Now, if you've got money burning holes in your pockets and you right. want to do that. Well, I think they see. Okay. So you see State Farm. Like you have your State Farm yeah. agent at some type of event and they have like all this shit. And you're like, oh, I want all that shit too. Like they didn't buy that. State Farm is giving them a budget to get the tchotchke shit that's not their money. Do you know what I mean? Right? Mm-hmm. That they're using. They have this allowance that the, that corporate is giving them. So that's Pepsi money. That's Mark Spain money. That's not like the regular business. Like you don't need that shit. No. No. Uh, we did like we did a couple of little business venture things. And uh, the partner that we were working with, they let's do tchotchke shit and we bought pens and you know we do marketing we have lots of different and koozies um, yes we have lots of different um accounts that are um what's the word for that uh where we get vendor pricing right so we're like now we're the like we do it for printing what's the word there like we're the distributor so we're getting it at cost that kind of wholesale wholesale okay we have a lot of companies that we work for because um, of the marketing type stuff that we do that we have like wholesale accounts with them. So we weren't paying like what a lot of people would pay. We got them at a really great price, but we still wasted all of our money on pens and koozies that I guarantee are still sitting in her house. Oh, yeah. Wish I had those pens sometimes, yeah. but I don't. Um, and so all that like tchotchke is shit. Like, mm, I think it's easy to see it. And I, I agree. I think people see that other people have it and they want their baby to be on a billboard. And uh, even, the you know, I spent money for ads in magazines and various other places. And uh, it always came down to I, I felt like I needed to do something. Right. You got to yeah. you got to advertise. And then some of it was, you know, local ish things. So I was trying to to do stuff that was local and all that. But ultimately, uh, it, it, it all wasn't worth it. And really, I was when I was there every day at the museum, I, I could 
I, I could have people come in every single day wanting me to spend money with them. And I'd have, I'd have no money yeah, yeah. To, to spend. I mean, at, at $5 a pop for somebody to come in and that's the only money, real money that the museum's generating, like it doesn't add up that quick. I can tell you that um, when I first started, and you know, I've talked about this before, I have a degree in advertising. Like I have a really fancy degree, but when I started my business, like I had no idea how to get clients. That was not something that we were taught. You weren't taught how to market and run a business and grow a business. Like I was taught how to do ads, ad campaigns. So when I ended up starting my business, like I did uh, like hustle and ask a lot of people. And, and like that really did work. What didn't work is I bought a list of new businesses from the county and not a damn thing happened to that. Like I had this list and we still to this day get clients that want us to do like email campaigns for them. Like we are great at like setting up email campaigns and emailing for our clients. So, you know, they stay consistent on that and they come with these purchased lists, these spammy purchase lists. So people are still doing this. So, you know, you can get a list of email clients that you grow yourself that are prospects. Buying a list of businesses and spamming them is not the way, like it did not work. It does not work for these other people. You are so much better to do it just a little bit slower and, and get people that are actually interested should the, the old school way of doing that and then snail mailing them something the odds of them like you really had to capture their interest with something but odds are like you did get it in front of their eyes one way or another and then whether it was good enough for them to actually look at it you know a little bit yeah. more or just toss it in the garbage some of those dan kennedy people they we have like a bunch of coaches that we're in some groups with and so some of them are these dan kennedy marketers and so they actually teach them to like send lumpy mail <laughs> like you purposely make it lumpy and you stick something in there to force people like it gets interest and it's a way to get people to yeah and yet but to all, me all like the stuff you're i've still, seen them do is so ugly they do do ugly stuff but you're still spamming people and yeah you got them to open it but man the the cost involved and the materials involved to do that like there's well, my ways. point was though it's there in front of them so You've got a better opportunity from that where this an email address that's coming from some random place like that shit's getting deleted. It's about as good as when somebody calls Sean picks up because for the museum, okay, I don't pick up the phone. I take messages, you know, and I call people back and things. But Sean has to answer the museum calls because most people are calling to see if they're open or maybe they want to donate something. And so how many times a day does Sean pick up the phone and hang right up like and they say, don't hang up <laughs> like. Click. Yeah. That's as good as, as spam emailing people. Like if you're just going to call people and say, don't hang up because I'm going to try to sell you something. Though I prefer that a lot more because then I know to hang up on them versus the, hey, what's going on? <laughs> oh, and then you feel Hi, bad. what's going on? Yeah, so I'm calling you today, you know. Tug on your heartstrings. I don't, have, I don't and... have time for this, man. Yeah. So anything else? Uh, what about like business wise? Have you tried things that there's a few things that you tried that just didn't work out? Um, so initially when, when we started miles two time, it was based on the storage need that I needed specifically for our 59 Cadillac Coupe DeVille. I needed a place to put that car. And it's a big ass car. It, it is. <laughs> really big. Um, and so, and the whole concept was to display this car while it's in storage and then I could still 
play with it when I wanted to. But while it wasn't, and it was just in storage, it was actually going to be displayed as a museum exhibit so people could see it in a climate-controlled environment and learn about it and all that. And that's pretty much the gist of what Miles to Time started as. But to get the cars and have enough of them on display, we had to branch out a little bit. And so my idea was offering consignment. So we'd have some cars for sale and it provided inventory for the museum. And then I really wanted to, I was like, if I need storage, I, there's got to be other people that need storage. So I really tried to push the storage thing. I later found out relatively quickly, uh, we were in a rural area where people didn't need storage. The people that had these extra cars had shops and all kinds of places to put them because we weren't in a in a place that was, you know, mostly neighborhoods and, and places where people might have money in these extra cars and know where to park them. I, that that wasn't the case. So nobody needed it's the storage. It's weird. Like once Sean started the museum, like the people that came out were like, oh yeah, so-and-so has like, they, they build these like little warehouse buildings, these gigantic shed. What would you call them? Like a, it's more of a shed, but th that they have all their cars in. Like they have... Tons of cars, but because they have the land, they're able to just do that. Oh, yeah, so-and-so has a warehouse full of cars, and so-and-so, yep. and so-and-so. Like, all these different Repurposed people. chicken coops full of cars. <laughs> I mean, shops that were larger than the museum I'm trying to tell them about. Yeah, so that didn't work out. No, and so... <laughs> Then, you know, it was it was consignment, right? And there was there's no shortage of people wanting to sell their stuff. The problem I came I encountered was the cost initially of being able to legally sell these cars. So the license itself, no big deal. But the requirements to hold the license as far as a bond and a building and the phone and all these other business aspects of it that make it legitimate, which are great. They serve their purpose for anybody trying to sell a car. But the, the selling aspect was so secondary to what my interest was, it really like just kind of put a, a, a damper on what I was trying to do. Well, really, it did kind of dumb down the museum and kind of not give it the value that right. we really wanted it to have. But it also, and, and you know, stuff like this sucks because it was the thing that had the potential to make the most money, yet it was the most time-sucking uh -huh. aspect. People were shitty. People would try to bargain with you after you already you know, said that there was no bargaining in there. And so it sucks that it ended up being the thing that could have made lots of money, but was the worst well, aspect and, of everything. And it was, I mean, it was only consignment. So we're not talking dealer cars that that I own trying to sell. I'm trying to sell somebody else's car while it's on display in a museum. And so I only know what, what they, they told tell me and I can only sell it for what they're willing to let me sell it for, you know? So if a car is worth, you know, let's say 20 grand and they want 19 for it, I've only got a thousand dollar profit range in there that I could potentially make because they won't take any less well, I go and I find out, you know, there's better cars for $15,000 and they won't take any less. Or, you know, there there was instances where that $20,000 car, I could I could list it for 30, but you know, it 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 still won't sell and then, you know, there there's there's too much put on the the price of cars and the lack of control I had over it. Well, I think part two, like Sean took these videos and photos and was like incredible 
incredibly detailed at making sure that all parts of the cars, like with the car running, opening everything, and people would contact you and you'd say, did you watch the video? Did you look at all the things? And they're like, yep, yep, yep. Do you know about this? You good with this? Good with this? Yep. I just want to see it in person. And then they would get like, Sean's like, okay, we'll make it because he's got to make a special trip to go out there. And then they, they obviously did not watch the video or look at the photos because they would waste your time over and over and over again. Well, most of it, it wasn't from a, you know, it's not what they expected kind of a thing. It was uh, the, the price of the car is X and they know that. And I tell them, you know, this is the price of it. I don't have any, you know, bargaining power because I'm trying to to make the 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 price of the car, you know, just enough of what the owner of the car has set the price at. Um, and so, yeah, 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 I'll come and, you know, so I drive my hour there, they drive however far they're there. And um, and next thing you know, they, they don't even hit me with a, a thousand or two thousand dollars less. It's like ten thousand dollars, like not even close to the asking price. So, and we just, I waste my time, I waste their time. And that's to say, if it was a day off from the museum and I went all the way there. Now, if I was already there operating the museum, now I've got a whole nother set of challenges because I'm still the only one there trying to operate the museum for visitors to come by, answering the phone and keeping the door secure and all this kind of stuff. Now I've got to also maneuver cars potentially in and out to make room for this one that needs to come out that maybe or may not need to be test drove and... Uh, I can see though why people get stuck in their business because like we said, like it was an ability to make a lot of money yet it was so much hassle and stuff. But that lure of like, but I could make so much that people would get stuck in stuff that is just not working. Well, see, and if I, if I didn't have your help on organizing the, the, the books, you could easily have been, it, you could have assumed or, or, or misthought. Oh, thought that you were making a that lot you were of money. making a lot of money, uh, and, yes. but because of how we were organizing everything, it, it was very clear that it was not profitable. Even though, I mean, I, I we at one point, I mean, we oh, had, how much money you had? We in had there. tons of money coming in, but then because but you were a bank, it was money in, money it, out. It, it, money it was, in, it was money, money in and out, and it it, it wasn't a good business model. Um, it alone, as far as consigning cars and the storage, and then when the main focus, it just kept getting muddier and muddier. I mean, the museum was what I wanted to do. I want I wanted people to be able to come in to a museum and enjoy the history that we had on display and learn something new. I didn't really care about selling cars or even having storage, because the storage comes into a whole nother challenge of, hey, I want my car out. So now I've got to go and make it so that they can get their car out in and out. And there's headaches to that. And, you know, is it worth my time when ultimately, again, all I want is the museum? Um, so, I, I, I mean, I totally learned the hard way. I think sometimes you have to learn the hard way. At least you were willing to do it. Like, I think people are not willing to try or you figure out that you're in something that you're like, oh, I don't like this. Like you can work yourself out of it. Like it might take some time and it took you time to get out of it. And now the museum is a museum. 
It is not a storage facility, though there might be a couple of cars on storage. Like it just, it just, it's not a mainstay, but, but there is a use for it here and there when people move and stuff like that, or they're um, remodeling or things like that. So there is a small portion to it, but the sales, like it didn't work. And so I think that's good that you were able to um, let that go. And yeah, being organized with the money is super important because I've worked for businesses in the management side, you know, in the office side where you could see that like at the end of the day, there was not a lot of money in money out, but there was not a lot of money to be kept. And just because you are doing business or doing even a lot of business doesn't mean that you're making any money, you know, and that's, that's a scary thing. You know, one of the things that I tried because everybody always says you need to niche down, niche down, niche down, like you need to be very specific on who you serve. And so we had several clients that were um, preschools. And so <laughs> I decided like, okay, I'll, I'll make up a little program for preschools that have been like what I've already done. And uh, I was able to actually uh, work out a deal to be like a, 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 uh, what would you call that? Not a sponsor, but like a, a vendor for a, a full California um, organization. Preferred vendor. Preferred vendor. Yeah. Preferred vendor for like this entire, the California preschool, whatever association, whatever the hell it was. Um, and I really thought that that was going to be really great. And I spent all this time and money traveling and going to their conference and found that the people they sent to conference were not the owners. I met so many people. They were so nice. They were not the decision makers. Like it was. <laughs> so then when I was able to actually like make a little bit more contact, like they didn't want to spend the money that like they were definitely not the right fit for where I was and like how all that was going to work out. I wasted a lot of time. I wasted a lot of money. I got, I got a handful of websites through it, but it definitely didn't end up being something that ended up being long-term. I was willing to try. I tried to do that and uh, it definitely did not work. And a couple of the clients that we did have were probably not like the greatest clients either. No. That sucks too. Like, I think part of that, like defining who you want for your clients is part of it is like, you have to make sure like that those are your people and not that like preschool people aren't my people, but like they were just a few of those people like were not like my, my dreamy clients that I would love to work with. Um, they had no money. They were very, very busy. Um, they had lots of turnover. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like a lot of them like didn't have somebody to trust. They were always like tr going through a number two. And yeah, it was just not something that that ended up working out. But, you know, I tried. It didn't really work out. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But that's OK. And I think the more you can test out these things and see if they're going to happen. I mean, you try not to waste money on it. Um, but sometimes it happens. You just pivot and keep moving forward. I mean, that's really all you can do unless you're prepared to fold up and quit. And I mean, sometimes that's the option, but a lot of times it's not necessary. Yeah. And, you know, I think people say that like you need to market and you need to spend all this money. And like, 
so I thought I had to do that. And I thought I had to, people said, oh, you, you should, you're a veteran. You should get uh, the certification to be a veteran business. And then people will come to you. Like those were the worst clients that I, it was horrible. People played late. They didn't want to. So I was in the beginning, so worried about like what I was supposed to do because I wasn't sure that I tried a bunch of stuff that didn't feel good that, that, and I stuck with it a little bit longer than I probably should have because I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. It would be like you in the cars if you did it for you know years and years because you felt you were supposed to sell cars. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get wrapped up in stuff because somebody else told you you're supposed to or because it has the possibility to make you money, but it makes you miserable. Like um, some things don't work. Some things flop and some things you find are just not for you. And I think that that's okay. Yeah, I mean, really, that's like the museum right now. There's still people that ask about buying cars and like I could probably make extra money right now the way things are if I implemented it somehow to sell cars it's not what I want to do and it's it's not worth my time to go down that route to sell cars so I'm not going to I've already I've already pivoted away from it and I that's not the direction I want to go and it's not it's not just about money you know, because, yeah, I could make money, but then if I really break it down and start to think about the amount of time that I'd have invested in that, like, is it worth it? And the answer for me is no. I think you just got to, everybody's got to look at that for themselves and see if that is worth it for them. Show. We have new shows every Tuesday and Thursday, and we would love it if you would come and join us. And we will see you on the next one. Thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh.